2: The Word is proud media partner of Latitude Festival.
3: You're listening to a podcast from The Word.
2: I don't know if, any the <laughs> don't know if there's any, any sense there of you. Yeah, it is good. vaguely damp. This has always been vague. this vaguely. This is one of those damp. shirts that is always vaguely damp, and I quite like vaguely damp. I'm a big Smiths fan. To be constantly, you know, vaguely damp is the correct uh, way to be. So, it's the,
4: right Robert, the
0: question we've been asking everybody who comes up to this uh, this table
2: this weekend is: is when did you first go to a festival? When did you first take note of a festival? I th- I'd waited for a long time, and then uh, when I was 19, I think it was, I went to Glastonbury, and was so naive that I believed the best place to camp would be, oh, you know, really near the main stage, and where all those men are <laughs> weeing, which is what a lot of people do when they first... I mean, festivals have changed so much now. You hear... It's like whenever I hear someone either saying, oh, Latitude's really middle class, isn't it? Yeah, because the rest of the outdoor festivals are so known for their predominantly working Absolutely. class, you know. really. <laughs> oh, I presume... And all these poets always go on about it, go, oh, yeah, because you poets, you love... Love playing to a full-on footballing audience, don't you? Yeah. That's what you love for your I come Am <laughs> <rich, come laughs> yeah. Heckle. Yeah. So, what year was it that you first I went? To? I think it would have been 1990. I think who it was the big uh, bands. Then, the big just bands just... were the Happy Mondays, who I have seen. I saw last year. I say I saw them last year. Which would it was literally it was, it was Sean Ryder and some people yeah, who yeah, played yeah. the songs. Uh, but they hadn't really changed because the amazing thing the Happy Mondays were what a mess. I mean, a me- such a mess. In and then the other weird thing because the Happy Mondays were playing Glastonbury. Um, Sinead O'Connor, who was wonderful, oh, we got in the slags T-shirt, black slags T-shirt, famously, yes. And and someone when she was singing Black Boys on Moped, there were people shouting out, "If you don't like it, go back to your own country," which was a very odd experience to have in a field in Glastonbury, where I thought the ley lines kind of expunged, yes. you know. The, yeah, these, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, so that, and that's why the Happy Mondays were an, an absolute live disaster, which I think they predominantly were, uh, which was <laughs> were still mentally, interesting. That was
4: the point of the moment. Yeah, it? that yeah. was the
2: whole thing. Is now this is what we sound like with. John Cale. I'll just turn that one down and that thing off. This is just us. What is this? This is some men in a tin. And uh, <laughs> then, uh, then I saw the Cure, and I'd never really liked the Cure because there used to be that division between: were you a Smiths fan? Were you a Cure fan? Which way did you go with your particular hairstyle? And uh, I have to say, for for two hours, the, the Cure were phenomenal, playing a lot of uh, Disintegration. And then there was someone who got slightly crushed in the crowd. And watching Robert Smith try and ask the audience to move back, and could the audience? Um, yeah. the, no, I'm I know. So you are not going to listen to me, but, you know, if you could move back, someone kind of being crushed. <laughs> but it was, yeah, I mean, it was very... And since then, I've tried to go to as many... And no, I mean, the great thing now is I, I'm allowed to, you know, work festivals, so it's brilliant.
4: When I, when I... Being the terrible age I am, the first time I ever saw a, a, a comedy act at a festival was in 1971 when I saw Monty Python's Flying Circus come on between uh, Slade and the incredible string band. Wow. And uh, that, you can guess how old I was. And uh, it, it was... It didn't really work, in a way, because now, of course, you know you are segregated into, into comedy tents. Is that a good thing? I mean, surely, you know, in those days, uh, you know, people were waiting to see Slade. They couldn't quite adjust to the parrot sketch or whatever it was. Comedy you know, music
2: is, like... is quite a hard thing. Uh, actually, so the, the guy who gave me the, the, the taxi driver on the way here said, Are there any famous bands on? And I knew that he probably wouldn't know the National or anything like that. And I said, Suede. And he went, What? The original Suede? Who did <laughs> Merry Christmas? I went, No, Suede. And he went, Oh, right. He was quite disappointed. I think he's going to spend the weekend in diss, to be quite honest. But uh, no, it was, uh, yeah, I. I love mixing the two I mean I do in the literary tent I've kind of you know I've done stuff with Robin Hitchcock and I I love doing things where musicians and comedians and other performers all come together but actually if you have you know the the famous stories of you know Matt Lucas supporting Blur etc it's very hard for an audience and and recently you know Bella and Sebastian had uh, Daniel Kitchen and Gavin Osborne supporting them which is perfect because of course you know Gavin and Daniel create these these beautiful melancholy stories and I know a lot of people really enjoyed it and certainly no one booed but even then I think there is a discombobulation between we're here to hear the boy with the Arab strap, not a 60-minute... Yeah. gear change,
3: isn't it?
2: But you started out with... It, 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 Burkhoff with to... Echo Belly was wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> horrendous thought. You, I mean, there was it also... is a horrendous thought, but I would like to do it. Do you think Latitude will give me the money? This is but the place, yeah. I would have thought. One of the saddest things were Echo Belly, what was her name? Sonia. Sonia. Who was the, um, uh, the... There was a bass player who originally hadn't been with them... Uh, and then she went on I think to maybe even briefly be in My Bloody Valentine she was in a band called Slow Pony as well Uh no, she was uh, short, uh, she was kind of like, like quite a short, uh, tight, cropped hair, lesbian... Uh... Come on,
3: Craig.
4: <laughs> I'm going to make this... Re- We've got some rock critics in the but, audience but here, and I sure wish I can remember her
2: name, because a mate of mine saw her on the bus the other day and went, oh, it's really sad when you see someone that you remember from... And she was still dressed beautifully in a suit, but she was on the bus and said, I had a worse experience ten years ago when I went to Nottingham Record and Tape Exchange bought one of her albums and gave it to her to actually put through the register now that was one of those and i think oh, she's terrible. since then and i didn't realize because if i'd done that i would not have bought the album i'd have come back another day because i knew the sense of embarrassment with oh. that bit of, of,
4: of just her going did yeah. have one of those stickers that was, was it 10 pounds crossed out nine pounds <laughs> yes, it,
2: it, it, it was five pounds <laughs> and slow, po- slow pony was slow pony was it slow pony or snow pony Snow Pony. Snow, Snow Pony. 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 Great al- you album. You
4: well, the uh, the Word podcast, we're talking about Snow Pony. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is good. Don't oh, worry, it's not all going to be mainstream. <laughs> did she sign the album for you? Or...
2: Uh, no, <laughs> I, 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 I value. kind of skulked away, feeling vaguely embarrassed that I had created this situation and hoping that she didn't really notice. She probably but thought you'd done it on purpose. Can we make sure we dub in her name later on? Yes, because now no, no, this is an even is worse conversation. Grotesquely
4: disrespectful. Yeah,
2: Google, that's brilliant. We're going to Google it live.
3: not coming up. That's just...
2: Right. We'll cut that. There is a statue <laughs> which is
4: called the Echo Valley Lesbian, but it's a very different image. Uh, oh, God Almighty. But no, look, so. Um, y- but you've always tried to do quite complicated, quite challenging bits of, uh, of, of broadcast and live performance. I love mean, that you did with Book Club. Yeah. Am I right? Now, didn't people used to come along to the... and uh, uh, bring books and present them to you? Explain the concept of Book Club.
2: Look, well, the idea was that I, I realised that from touring around for ten years, I had built up uh, an Oxfam Help the Aged Etc collection of some really diabolically bad pieces of literature for novels, uh, self-help guides in particular, and, uh, and so I'd got all these together, and one night I was a bit bored in Edinburgh, and I thought, well, I'll just read some of these Mills and Boons out while having some Philip Glass play in the background I think it was A Meeting do. of Minds yeah. Rash Intruder and uh, Koyanatsky or whatever it's called I never know how to pronounce that how do you pronounce it never call your film something you were you embarrassed to ask for it Koyanaskatsy isn't it is it Koyanaskatsy Think so? <laughs> well, that's that's going to be the Again, main a very debate podcast moment.
4: But it was, I know uh, the answer. I'm just not
3: why saying. Why didn't I it, just okay? say Philip
2: Glass's no.
4: music for Dracula?
2: That would have been much <laughs> easier. Cut the
4: other bit out. We all we'll know what Philip
2: Glass sounds <laughs> like. Yeah, yeah. So it was basically because I started doing that, and I thought this is a good way of also bringing on variety acts and acts who do different kind of things who wouldn't necessarily be able to do the comedy circuit because that had become increasingly, you know, increasingly male, uh, you know, certain kind of stand-up comedy. And so I thought creating something where you can, there's a wonderful group called Gorkagogo Gogo, who create these fantastic puppets uh, and, and costumes, they, they, they play these characters they, they did uh, Liberani who is half, Liberani is half the Terminator, and half Liberace, this wonderful felt costume <laughs> um, Salva uh, Do- Liberace, one, and, with yeah, the yeah, Liberace and then slowly yeah. Liberace decays into the yeah. kind of burnt uh, Brilliant. Flash, and Dolly Parton, yeah. who is a small version of Dolly Parton, <laughs> who's Breasts drop open to show different Dali-esque style images. Right? <laughs> now, in some comedy clubs, this would be taken, you know, with a certain amount of, uh, you know, uh, forceful hints to leave because, you know, they're not necessary. And, and this was such a wonderful thing. I thought I have to do things with, with people like this. And uh, he's a, he's also a wonderful uh, cartoonist as well. The guy, the guy does it. And uh, and so I thought, you know, putting on things like that. And Elvis was well probably their most famous thing. Elvis was the Elephant Man Elvis, who would come on wearing the Hessian sack and the hat right and then you would slowly hear start off with the music from the, the David Lynch film then it would turn into uh, the, the Sprach Zarathustra then he would take off the, the cloak revealing a kind of uh, neurofibrom t- neurofibrom t- oh I can't say it when it's a festival and it's ready neurofibromatosis um, arm and uh, a kind of rhinestone costume and then reveal a neurofibromatosis Elvis head and then kind of do all this oh she oh you yeah, she I thank you very much thank you very Thank you very much. You've all been very kind. You've all been very kind. Thank you very much. Oh, she. And it was just, it was such a wonderful, and so that was kind of the, the idea of it. And then obviously to write Killer Crabs musicals. Years. That's
4: brilliant.
2: But you,
0: you, you went on the stage with these books, and I mean, were you going in there with no preparation at all? I mean, how little
2: preparation do you go on with sometimes? Well, I, as little as possible I used to love the fact that like, the Killer Crabs novels by Guy N. Smith from Attack of the Killer Crabs to his latest one which I think comes out a beast soon in
4: Word, It's yeah. Wonderful. Yeah, it, yeah, it, It's wonderful
2: I, I mean, the, the books are uh, uh, and he uh, with that you can open it on almost any page I, I on the last tour I did of, of Book Club I did a kind of Mills and Boone Mills and Boone bingo where I would just say to people I have no idea most of what's on most of the pages of Rash Intruder but <laughs> between page 5 and page 188 just shout out a number. If I know the page, we won't do it and we'll move on. And the favourite one I had was uh, from Stormy Vigil, my first Mills and boom, We all have one. <laughs> yeah. um, it's where a classic. It's a great one. Right. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's yeah. Professor Lyle yeah. Hemming. Yeah. It's Sally. They're not getting on and they're in a lighthouse, right? You can imagine <laughs> yeah. imagine a level of yeah. umbrage and a sailor. Terrible, death. Terrible, <laughs>
4: drama and t- domestic grief. And it ends <laughs> in a happy sunset with yeah, of course, people yeah. strolling off to a delightful future together. No, like I, like must, I don't know if I told my I'm favourite line, actually. Anyway.
2: There is a great line from uh the uh the, the one set on the the outback ranch uh where uh, it has, I'm going to try and remember this off my heart, it goes, they, they finally realise Saxon McAllister, the farmer, who I might have mentioned <laughs> in the previous McAllister. podcast. Saxon McAllister and
4: uh, good and,
3: and material, the woman, Deborah,
4: are
2: yeah. going to get married, they've decided. Yeah. And uh, he says, uh, uh, that's it. when are you going to marry me, sweetheart? He questioned her fervently, whenever you <laughs> want, she replied. He then, that, what's it then he says, he says uh, uh, the night of that damn storm, that was nearly my undoing. My God, I went in to comfort you, but if I'd stayed any longer, I would have ended up raping you. Now, that is uh... (laughs) a... and she then says don't worry it wouldn't have been raped my love and uh, so oh, sorry, that's the challenge that is the challenge and that actually occurs in 1970s so so yeah, yeah. The, uh, oh I, I always uh, do from the early start <laughs> Also, but yeah Stormy yeah. Vigil had <laughs> the Stormy Vigil had one where they're about to uh, a hand is going up Sally's uh, jumper Professor jumper, and it's, slowly, it's going, as it slowly worked up the, uh, the softness of her belly on one side the smoothness of the skin on his knuckles the harshness her woollen jumper, eventually reaching the lace of her bra. But before it could go any further, she grabbed his wrist and said, "No, Lyle, I need to take a reading from the barometer." <laughs> so it's like kind of, you know you can't. So you have to take the risk. wrist. Made it's... an
4: enormous impression on yeah, you. I can't believe your quote. My it first novel bad. will be yeah. Uh, yeah I, oh, I'm trying to remember
2: quantum mechanics. That's what I want to use yes, my brain that's for. Right. You're so sorry, they still
4: have adverbs. Ever, he said
0: fervently, so it's yeah. unnecessary
4: adverbs thrown in.
0: Do they still do that thing with Mills and Boone books where they used to give them a plan to write
2: them and that yep. certain things had to happen by page 45? And Is that still It's the case? all very much... I mean, it's, it's interesting because friends of mine who are authors have tried to write a Mills and Boone thinking how difficult can it be, but actually I think you really have to believe in it so much or at least not be so detached from it that there is a way of doing it as a, as a piece of science, really. And so there are some people... There's a woman called Margaret Mayo... Um, uh, who has, I mean, they, they write hundreds of them. Only one man, as far as I know, that's yes. still correct, has, has written a Mills movie. And yeah, they, so you have to know at chapter one normally, it's changed a bit, but throughout the 80s it was predominantly, oh, why have I never found love? Who's this awful, arrogant Arctic explorer <laughs> I've got to interview? <laughs> chapter 2, well, I don't like this Arctic explorer, but I might go on this mission with him. Uh, chapter 3, god, oh, but there's still something about him. Oh, there's something about her. Yeah. Chapter 4, Frizzard. Chapter 5, Kiss. Chapter 6, we've done a terrible, terrible thing. Chapter yeah. 7, Chapter 8, Eating Dogs or a Sailor uh, Death or something like that. Uh, it- chapter 9, we've, we've been so silly, haven't we?
4: that's <laughs> it, uh, uh, so, yeah. But we're still friends. Yeah. Yeah. God, oh, You brilliant. must be
0: cursed with a terrible, you know, incredibly retentive
2: memory. But again, only for useless to try. I mean, I don't know. Is how that all is? I
4: only what know- else can you? Are you some sleeve notes of albums? Or what I'm. I'm,
2: I'm not good. I, I, like in terms of, of musical things. In terms of, I didn't know my left from my right until I was eight years old. The reason I found out my left from my right was I bought Alan Frank's horror movies, which Mark Gatiss also talked about very passionately in his series. And I learnt my left from my right because I didn't know my left from my right, but I knew which was Boris Karloff in the Tower of London, and which was Bela Lugosi in the Island of Doctor Morrow. So it would say right. Boris Karloff in the Tower of London, left, and that's how I learnt my left and my right. So pop culture so, goes through me like so
4: unimportant rack. things like left and right. You, you, you couldn't do, but yeah. I mean, I can still, still remember Michaelis, the nature uh, of
2: love, some ideas of quantum mechanics, and a certain amount of Schrodinger's cat. But I'm not going to waste your time with that. Don't ask me; I'm very tired. <laughs>
4: <laughs> this is sensational stuff. So now we're going to have some questions. Oh yes, questions. Uh, 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 we have a roving mic. Garrett, I think. But so, has Gareth got... So he's going to uh, go out and get a few questions. <laughs> I have to... Just one wow. quick thing. I have to oh, interview um, Brendan Burns tomorrow in, uh, in, uh, uh, in oh, the... Oh, you're in the Ten, Ten aren't you? Yeah. I'll be and heckling all the way oh, through. You, heckle, yeah. Please heckle. And um, it's very really interesting. Brendan Burns is, as you know, a stand-up comic. and he, He's very honest about rivalry between comedians. And I won't ask you to, to, to get involved in that conversation, because it's quite hard. But he is no, no um, uh, problems at all about going on about how difficult it is, he has this whole thing about joke theft... You know that people nick out each other's material, but the thing he said is that uh, he said the most difficult thing he's ever done is, is standing there, and other comedians are in the in the audience, and they're standing at the front. And they're, they're finding it impossible. They're refusing to laugh.
1: Uh, I totally now, disagree funny, he with he that. Very I mean, he is this, really yeah.
4: hated. Uh,
1: <laughs> and
4: uh, no, I, I've
1: never. He, run says, it for he years. says, if and you're a I
4: comedian, you see another comedian laugh. I will say you take it as a personal affront to yourself. Well, Seem incredibly ungenerous. No,
2: I, I think that's that's wrong. I totally disagree yeah. with him. And please allow me to ask that question when you're in the tent tomorrow, because actually, when I've compared it to say uh, poets um, or actors. Or authors I've generally seen I think that I mean I'm always as rude to a comic's face as I am behind their back I don't think I've ever been and so I stab them in the front yeah stab them in the front and and I I don't think there is a great some people get caught up in it I I think hopefully you reach an age where you go the rivalry is pointless I've got asked quite a few times in the last year oh, what do you think about Michael McIntyre? And I don't really have a particular opinion because the likelihood of me in my kind of weird little gigs that I do talking about, you know, either science or Mills and Boone novels, I'm never going to be playing the O2. I'm never going to be really probably attracting what is his core audience. He's just doing a a totally different thing to me. So I, I actually think you can avoid... And also, I think comics can be very generous. When they see someone maybe going through the same old routine that they know, they might go, oh, got ten years in, I can't believe he's doing yeah. it. But at uh, New Material Nights, like you will often find comics, you all have a chat together, oh, here's another idea for your joke. I find the ones that I hang around with anyway are uh, all very generous to my face. Oh, well, that's good.
4: Well, that's very encouraging to hear. Now, Gareth, have you, do we have any questions from which would like to put a question? We were rehearsing this
0: earlier on our, uh, our means Robin of Edson. pointing out who was asking the questions. You know, the, the lady in red, the man in black. Man with the child in his eyes.
4: Not that one the in the corridor. The boy cocoon. with the thorn <laughs> <on> in his side. <laughs> <laughs> was it the man who shot Liberty Valance? The man who shot Liberty uh, over Valance. Over there, the lady, the lady. I love the lady. Once <laughs> yeah. and Sir Andrew Collins did he, he use that gag. He said, "Any questions?" The lady in red. Everyone looked around. There was obviously no lady in red. sad. Sorry, I just always wanted to say that. <laughs> she said, oh, the lady in red. It's brilliant. Any questions? Oh, there's one over there from the Human Centipede.
2: Now that's unusual. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. That's that's a cinematic <laughs> reference. It doesn't belong Somebody over yeah. there. Hi Robin Uh, Hello My question is What has Ricky Gervais done to you recently? Do you know what, Ricky actually uh, fortunately one of the great benefits of his enormous amount of fame is he doesn't have t- you know, now he can probably play pranks on you know, Clint Eastwood or whatever Oh quick, go and hide in Clint Eastwood's wardrobe and jump out, so fortunately Hollywood has managed to uh, take him because uh, I still get asked loads of questions about some people still believe, for those of you who d- I'll fill this in right, a lot of you may not know this but um, I, I, I knew Richard Base for years, uh, we were kind of friends uh, well I suppose we still are friends and, uh, and uh, I toured with him and on the two tours it was insane, Uh, there was an extra put on the first DVD we did where uh, when it was edited, there were a lot of things Ricky wanted to keep in and the editor actually went, we can't keep that in, you look really, really like you're ill you are psychologically ill, the reason you're torturing a middle aged man through these bizarre things, right? very odd things would go on and he would do things like, he would get his agent just to hide in my dressing room to burst out suddenly, but I knew all these things would happen, so here were these (laughs) middle aged men working with million pounds account. And I would just walk and dress room, open the door and go, Duncan, you can get out from wherever you're hiding. And a man would have to come out and go, oh yeah, sorry. Rick. <laughs> oh, sorry. Ricky made me do me it. everyone becomes a kind of, you know, the, the, the puppet basically. And so also I still get people ask me, they go, yeah, did you really have to sit on ham because you had worms when you were a child? Now, this is one of the things he made up about. It. Now, the annoying thing about that is, I made up that story about Ricky. He very quickly became famous and thought the best way of ruining this story is I'll go, my friend Robin had to sit on ham, because he had, but I said that about too late, I'm famous, I win. Yeah. <laughs> Robin used to drink milk from a cow's udder, but I made that one up about you, It doesn't matter, I'm famous, everyone thinks it's you. Every single week people go, you're still drinking milk from a cow's No, no I'm not, I never have. Well, the ham, and people, I mean Carl Pilkington has famously once said, said there's no smoke without fire. You go, well no some things are just made up Carl, some things are, and also, if, if as a child my parents had made me sit on some ham, it's one of those things that I'd probably keep back. I probably wouldn't go, when well, I met new people, hi, I'm yeah. Robin, I don't know about you, I used to sit on Ham. You know, that <laughs> a... always breaks the ice at parties. at yes. like yes. no, no. least yes. save it for one of those top 100 yeah, kind of Channel page. 5 shows. Yes, right. yeah. Number seven
4: on top 100 meets, Oh, Who
2: used Ham.
4: to right. yes. <laughs> oh, God. Any more questions? More? Yes, uh, another question from the audience, anybody? Anybody.
2: When will it stop raining? Cold. We'll know that soon. <laughs> when can we leave? Can Never. We
4: hear- uh, <laughs> The rain is relentless. I'm sure Fraser, can you hear the rain on the you can't? Okay. Because very loudly above our roof, it is rattling down. So, Robert, you've done your
2: gig. You came to I've done one f- of my gigs, yeah. And, I, d- and... I did the stand-up tent, which was... I was literally filling in because uh, I was here anyway and they said, would you mind doing a short set? And it's, I always find it a bit weird because it's playing such a large number of people. I, I, there were certain jokes that I wanted to do uh, about things like the, the philosopher Peter Singer. And I often think this is not the right environment when there's <laughs> 2,500 people for you to deal with... Uh, I mean, in the philosophy world, Peter Singer is very well known, as a reference point. Um, <laughs> in the 2,500 people... In a tent at Latitude Less well known But better known Than if I was playing The Lovebox Festival Attempting to do a joke About Peter Singer But you got away with it Yeah I, I think so But I'm sure So I always imagine At least You know 50% No 15 No 10 oh, People <laughs> might be listening to This might affect my work But um, I always imagine About 15% of people Leave a gig Unless they've specifically Come to see me Leave Going oh, I don't get any of that That is ridiculous <laughs> Why'd a man do that? And it doesn't bother you at all? Yeah, it bothers me a bit. I always imagine the person sitting at the front in a room has a really angry face, and then I look down at them quite often they've been happy. I was was doing a gig on the South Bank and the other belly, the upside-down inflatable cow, uh, and it was all new new stuff, and I was rattling on about Open University sadomasochistic programming with Heidegger, right, which... uh, (laughs) It wasn't a deliberate thing. I hadn't written the idea. My inner monologue has a lot of control over me now. And... uh, and I supposedly lots of between them going, I really enjoyed it. But my partner went, I didn't get any of that. What is the point? And then I thought, that's good, because a lot of the show is about existentialism, and therefore, due to creating something which is disappointing for them, they have then now had to face up the disappointing nature of life. Right. So that's my mission. I'm the existential littlest hobo. Town to town, I bring despair. And then I leave again. That's it. <laughs> so you're filled into the stand-up, the tent what are you doing anything else this weekend here yes I'll be doing the literary tent uh, tomorrow uh, today in fact I'll be doing the afternoon. we will have some uh, chemistry experiments with a wonderful guy called Andrea Seller uh, and uh, then uh, and also Helen Arnie, who's a very good singer-songwriter and Matt Park, who's a mathematician so I'm doing a thing called double science where I kind of do double uh, science goodbye. double science so it's just yeah it's uh, I love doing so I, I do a series on uh, Radio 4 with uh, Professor Brian Cox uh, called Infinite Monkey Cage and we did one about ghosts the last of the series and we've had the, a record number of complaints from people saying that it was a very unbalanced show. In what uh, way? Because we basically suggested that ghosts were perhaps a, a, an interesting figment of human imagination. Spoiler. <laughs> and feedback. Spoiler. <laughs> oh no, why don't you put spoiler <laughs> that's alert that's right. for irrational burst beliefs? The balloon. But yeah, we had loads of complaints and people kind of saying that it wasn't balanced because there was a lack of ghosts and stuff like that. that we're, I love in fact, that we did have one the... ghost on but they didn't hear. <laughs> and now it's become Nobbergate. Because Brian went, oh no! Some people have been complaining to the BBC about the show, nobbers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the Telegraph then went, uh, uh, "This is a disgusting BBC employee, Brian Cox, has been calling everyone who believes in anything nobbers." The, the other way they do remove some of the facts to make it a more interesting story, and uh, and also because he uses nobbers without the K, so I think they're a little bit annoyed about the, the, sp- it's the specific spelling. Wrong well. it's a saying, double yeah. disaster. So what time she is double Brian? science? Uh, what time is it? I think I think it's five. Pounds. Eight right yeah. And then, evening, we're, right. then we're doing another one uh, tomorrow uh, evening as well with uh, Ben Goldacre, who uh, right, yeah. may well remember. Who well, I uh, saw you on
4: stage with the, in, the, in the Nine Lessons and Carols for Godless People. Oh yeah, know, which is a fantastic show. I love the idea. He annoys your journalist
2: that Ben Goldacre, though, didn't Indeed, he did not yeah, he? Yeah, upset that was I love
4: that. I think he made a cry. Yeah, that, that June Rogers' of read. parish uh, interview, Ben Goldacre. and I think with tears actually, they fell out. Did he read the article? Yeah, yeah. It yeah. was. It was. Oh, I mean, what did you do this
2: time? You idiot i was on his side don't worry <laughs> well look thanks very much for, uh, for being is. here this Thank
4: afternoon you. very good robin is
2: so, we have a very large you <laughs> to you <laughs> the word a magazine a website a
3: podcast a way of life hey. how's it going
0: I think the, the best thing to do, because there's so many people who have, uh, have been hanging around here to particularly to see you, and they've been filling in in very entertaining fashion. Congratulations to our... Um, the our entertainment ends concert now. Party. <laughs> um, I think the best thing to do is to, is to in a moment, go throw this open to the, to the floor, actually, if anybody's got any questions. First of all... We've got some questions. All right. <laughs> First of all, what's your first memory of, of, of going to a festival or being aware of a festival, or seeing a festival on TV or anything I, like
1: that? I, I saw, I saw um, uh, what's his name, uh, Pete Seeger at a very, very early age at, a, at like a weird outdoor kind of hippie festival. right? Like, uh, you know, it was, I mean, it was really primetime hippie 1968. Can you remember what he was playing? He was playing the
0: banjo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. a big audience? Big. I mean, no, no, big it's,
1: very, a... it's very It's very, small. It's right. very, very small. I mean, I don't know if it was a festival. It's just like it was. he was playing outside. Yeah. And that's
3: what struck you as a festival? Yeah.
0: well, I was eight. <laughs> no, no, fair enough, fair enough. What <laughs> you about you?
3: The <laughs> well, I, I don't think I ever went to festivals as a kid, but we played... I, one of the first ones we played was, I think, Roskilda. And in the tradition of um, unbearably rainy... During uh, festivals, it was you know it was like incredibly wet and muddy. Um, but with, as I recall, we, uh, Bob Dylan was there, and it was during that period in his career where he was performing songs that were internationally famous, but you couldn't tell what he was playing. <laughs> right. Right. You'd be about halfway which through the song, you'd be like, "That's all along the watchtower." No, no that's "Masters of War." No, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was like stump stump the audience. He's been doing that for a long, yeah. long
1: time. Yeah. It's very exciting. But it was it was new to us. So, what have you learned? You've played presumably
3: quite a number of festivals. What have you learned about playing festivals? Oh, bring wellies. Yeah. yeah, bring wellies. We actually we didn't learn that until five minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, but in terms of performing, bring uh, wellies.
1: You know the thing, the thing about uh, uh, you know playing shows in general is you can be very aware that uh, a microphone. If you do a club show, you can do. Di- you can do a dynamic performance where things get very quiet or very loud, and, and it all kind of can work. All those things are available to you. The strange thing about um, uh, just having things scan, be understood when you're talking or singing, you actually have to kind of, you know, sort of puff yourself up into arena rock. Size, yeah. Which is a you know, it doesn't you know, it doesn't come naturally, but no. but you f- you figure out how to do it after a while. So, so
0: there's no point being diffident on uh, a festival.
1: Well, what's weird is you tr- you try to do something subtle and it doesn't it actually doesn't scan. You know, like pe- nobody notices. People don't. Uh, yeah.
3: People don't notice. I think Mussolini went through the same process. <laughs> yeah. He was try he tried to be subtle and nobody noticed. And, you know.
0: So when you yeah. pl- when you play a show like this, are you? having a different set list than you would normally do? From- we have the
3: Mussolini set list. Right.
1: <laughs> yeah, I
0: mean, you know, what are the features of the Mussolini set list?
1: Well, you know, the other thing is you can't assume that it's your crowd. You know, you want to read... I mean, I just had an experience uh, uh, talking to a guy who's, who's working these shows. He'd never heard of us before and he was just like, you guys are so great. I mean, that was a great show. Like, who are you? Like, what do you do? <laughs> you know, and it's just like, do you know? Yeah. I mean, it's a great opportunity for us to... You know, we're often perceived as a, as a cult type band like some a band that you either you know like or hate and i think it's you know it sort of behooves us to uh, you know try to reach out to the people who think they're supposed to hate us and come <laughs> over is to our is side
0: it, is it frustrating to say to people you know
1: well we've been around for how long 30 years
3: yeah 30
1: years well i mean 29 if you
3: <laughs> well i mean uh, actually in a way it's I mean, a lot of the people that we're speaking to have not themselves been around around for that right. so it's it's we are all there's always a Process of getting new people yeah, interested. Yeah, you
0: yeah. Know. now you, you, in the last few years, you, you, you've branched out. You've done some records for children, haven't you? You've yes. done shows yep. for children. Has that, has that helped seed
1: a new audience yes. in any way? Yes,
3: we're indoctrinating yeah. young.
1: It, it, it's hard to know how much they'll stick to it. Like, right. if they'll think like it's you know just some version of the monkeys or something. You know, in there, yeah. I don't know. It's hard to know if we're actually creating.
3: Permanent fans. Oh right, I mean this. I guess this potentially like something you like a lot as a little kid could become incredibly uncool by the time you're like 14. So right. there is that. There is that risk. I guess. But I was told
1: recently that by somebody uh, you know who's like our age, um, you know, there's a, there was this period like 10, I guess, 10 years ago in the United States where a lot of um, uh, sort of a, a Outsider teens Embrace the Beatles As a, I mean we were playing That Beatles song I sort of They embraced the Beatles a, As sort of A, a, a form of Unified uh, Otherness To You know They weren't Climbing on the, To the Britney You know It was alternative and an Yeah Yeah I mean it's hard For us I you mean, know, Having grown up With the Beatles It's hard for us To think of them The Beatles As in any way You know It's like the, the, Alternative it's like, it's, Yeah It's like The God alternative yeah, yeah, yeah. But um Uh but evidently, he he was saying that he felt like now there was a kind of a similar, a, a smaller but parallel thing happening with teenagers and they might be giants, which is a, a very strange idea for us. But I guess I don't know. Maybe we're sort of occupying the same place, like uh, Frank Zappa or Captain Beefheart or somebody like. Uh, so you in our teen years. You know, so you
0: get new generations coming along and they're looking at, at various those, different the stages, landscape of yeah. music in a yeah. totally
1: different way. Yeah. yeah.
0: You, it, what's your What's your key song for doing for kids? You know, what's your What's what's the one that goes over best with the small children?
1: Uh, Clap your hands is a pretty good unifying one because it's just like it's in the you know you don't it's not about anything it just is something
0: right right and do you find that that audiences generally and it does this apply to children they like something to do during a show that you, the, you...
1: they like the confetti cannon and they like um they like the they like the experiential stuff i mean they just you know they want to be alive right know? right and and, and, they're, you... and they're new at it <laughs>
0: right no, right exactly and do you do you adopt any of that with your grown up shows Yeah, well yeah, that, yeah we surprisingly brought,
3: weirdly we we we've we brought the puppet show into the grown up show and it's even more popular for the adults <laughs> i mean we discovered yeah. very quickly yeah.
0: Yeah. so are there anybody at, i think gareth is is wandering amongst you over there in the
1: in the green jacket. If there's anybody there, hey, I want to thank everybody for sticking sticking around. Like I, I have to tell you, uh, like we we've been completely confused for about an hour, having no idea what this was or where we were going. So uh, thank you for being here. I know I know we're officially New York uncool late. <laughs>
0: right. Is there anybody there? Has got a question they'd like to put to the gentleman? While you're doing that, I've got a question. You um you've had um. Quite a bit of involvement, uh, quite a bit of success with songs that we used on TV, yeah, yeah. and commercials well, and stuff. So well, we've forth.
1: done we've done a lot of things. We've we've created a lot of material for television and and uh, commercials and movies. Um, we don't get light, you know, the, the, the really sweet deal is to get your song that already exists licensed for top dollar, right? you know, because then you don't really have to do any work. And hopefully it's attached to something super dignified. <laughs> um, that's 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 kind of like what we, we have in mind. But instead, you know, people call us up and ask us to kind of do their specialty thing. And those jobs are, str- you know, some of them are good, some of them are a little bit difficult. We just got through doing this this one thing that was it was pure catastrophe, torture. pure torture. <laughs> what was that? Going oh, we're not going to gonna say. <laughs> we, we, um, I can't say, but, but, it was, but we it can was, tell you it's not going to happen. Oh really? So you go yeah. all the way along the yeah. line, and then yeah. it didn't happen. Our yeah. manager has really perfected the whole kill fee thing. <laughs> oh good, because so it used to be that we would do these jobs, and the kill fee would be less than it would cost to make it. So it'd be like it was like we were being punished to work for people who are being mean to us. I mean, it was like punishing on every level. So what's the kind of classic... It sucked.
0: What's the classic way that that might happen? Somebody comes to you yeah. and says, I've heard a tune on your fourth album.
3: Can no, I have no, something it's, it's like not, it? No, no, it's not, not. even that. It's, it's. We, we've got a thing that isn't working in our projects. We want you to rescue it, but we don't know what we want. We just want something better, and, and, and we'll do a series of demos. And in this situation, it was demo after demo that wasn't somehow solving the right, problem. You're trying to guess what it is that they were want, trying but to guess and they don't know. It's sort exactly. of a
1: unique to movie movies have this unique problem where there's a lot of like throwing money at things at the end to try to make them not be bad movies.
3: So, yeah. so are you, get, are you yeah. d- so have we
1: d- get called we get called in to save the bad movie from itself. Mhm. And, and, it, and it doesn't work. Do you have to play <laughs> this stuff to, co- to committees and type of You have to t- have uh, conference calls that are uh, that involve People who are in the back of car services on the way to airports on planes or, you know, like completely unintelligible Darth Vader voices. You. Yeah. yeah, you know, you don't know if they actually are Darth Vader <laughs> or they just sound like Darth Vader because of their phone. Uh, sometimes I think it's the former. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, a, they're, it's very much by committee. It's a very much – those that stuff is, tends to be very show business stuff. But we're lucky that luckier than most because when we do get tapped to do original music – they either think that we're going to be versatile, which we can be, so they ask us to do different kinds of things, or they just like our general aesthetic. And so, so we're in, kind of in the catbird seat. I mean, they want we, us, they we want have, us have no right—we have no right to complain, but we are happy to complain. We're, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, so what's your most successful
0: tune that's, uh, that's been used on TV? You did it. About, well, we did the where, Malcolm the Middle song. Malcolm in the Middle. We got a Grammy
1: yeah. for. And
3: uh, um, what's it like going to the Grammys? Super fun. <laughs> well, super weird because. I mean, even after the third t- nomination, we felt like we were these weird um, s- s- double agents like sneaking you around. You weren't supposed to be the... Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. like, we're
1: the what's wrong with this picture? I mean, especially when we won for Malcolm in the Middle because we were in a, in a television and movie category. So it was like, I mean, thank God, you know, uh, Pearl Harbor had a horrible right. ba- theme song because I'm yeah. sure it would have been, if it had been even halfway okay, it right. would have won. It was like, you know, it's like Sting. They might be giants. Celine Dion, and it's just like we are not going to win this. Yeah.
0: But you must have done.
1: We did. We did. Who did you win against? Who did you beat?
3: You must remember. We beat, we
1: beat Sting. That's beat Sting. That was the list. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
3: Actually, yeah. We, we that was a separate incident. We we beat yeah. him. Yeah. He uh, yeah. was alley. in the bathroom with Ike yeah. Turner.
1: <laughs> Ike yeah. knocked him down. Yeah.
3: Yeah, he's very surprised. Yeah. The Grammys. He's, have... he's fit, though. He is very fit. I bet. Yeah, yeah.
0: The Grammys have an immense number of categories, don't they? They're. they're... Keep trying to cull them every year, down not they? And get them down to manageable yeah, that's that's right, right yeah, which yeah.
3: I think is wise. Um, um, right, uh, uh, until they cut the categories that we uh, are <laughs> no, eligible. No, there no is. Uh, there we have become aware
1: that there's actually two children's categories because we won for the, the second second Grammy we got was for a kids record, and there's an alternate category in children's records which is Best Children's Spoken Word. Ooh. So if anybody's feeling ambitious out there. You know, it, it seems it seems that's the one to talk. Kind of yeah. obtainable. Yeah. It's, it's a <laughs> greenfield site. That yeah. Is. yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, I think dreams we have a come true.
2: this lady over here. Okay. Yes. Hi. Right. Um. My name's Sarah Bonetto, and I'm Hi, a stand- Sarah. I'm a stand-up comedian from Australia, but I live here now. Now, ten years ago, do you remember doing um, uh, uh. A gig in Melbourne where you played Flood in sequence. Like the whole album Flood in order. I, you were
3: there. It I, yeah, happened. Yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely. <laughs> I was at that gig. Yeah.
2: Now, my friend Andy, who's a stand-up from Melbourne... We got a set list after the show. Great, right? Great. Um, he said, "Oh, I'll take it home in my backpack because you haven't got a bag." And he lost it. I, ne- I never. It's been ten years, and I'm hoping maybe there's a set list floating
1: around today. Oh, I oh, I can tell you. Yeah, I can...
3: no, I've got it. I've got it right here. Oh, for real? <laughs> oh, no, lights. it's no. really it's the album. Of course floor. not. <laughs> <laughs> why would I? Why would I, you mean I'm Psych. Every set no, list. No, no, no. From um, the last ten years. It's okay. Yeah. It's just no. been
1: ten
4: years.
2: It's
1: fine. But I can tell you, there is this crazy uh, internet resource. Uh, the, there's a fan. No, no, it's, it's really actually Sorry. quite outstanding. You have to listen to the words I'm saying. They've already taken the mic away from you. <laughs> so uh, there's this thing, uh, they might be giant's wiki, and it will have not only the show you went to, but it might even have photographs, posters, and a, and a scan put... of the very set list you had in mind. Thanks, Rodney.
0: Were you onto to this idea of, uh, of playing albums in sequence earlier than most people because that's quite a common thing at the moment isn't it that people are doing
1: classic albums oh. yeah
3: i don't know we, we did i remember it. i remember uh sugar playing their album in sequence uh before we ever did right it, i think
1: well they had one album but they had only one oh, album right. Yeah,
3: yes. yeah so, so but sense. they played it in sequence that was the, that was the thing
1: i remember we played it once at the ventura theater which is like kind of like a a place in the middle of california where rock dies and we were trying to figure out a way to, to make the show more interesting for everyone like you know if you were not if you were coming a fan coming from San Francisco or Los Angeles it was for like it was just on that Wednesday night or something so we actually played our very first album in sequence Of uh, you know this was I don't know 10 or 15 years ago and we thought it would be like a real treat and uh, it completely left the crowd <laughs> in the dust I mean they were just like what? Why? Why? Yeah, like, we deep, would you do that? We're deep inside Side 2, and they're just like, yeah, yeah. this I think, sucks.
0: I think we've got somebody else with a question here. I've got a couple of questions. Um, I work do? with a lot of artists who are working on the self release model. I'm wanting to know mm. how you felt when you sold out so quickly of your
1: Super VIP club for the Join Us. Oh, sold out. When you said sold out, I thought we right. were going uh, in a different direction <laughs> with this. Well, you Thanks. sold out so quickly. Hey,
0: and question number two is um, will there be another kid's album? Here Comes History,
1: maybe? The Here Comes History in the United States would be like a, a total cultural bomb. Like it would just explode like so. I don't know if we could get you know like collaborate with like Howard Zinn's people or something and do like a People's
3: History of the United States. I think that would be good. The lowest selling thing of all time. Yeah, you've,
0: you've done different right. subjects,
3: haven't you? Is that well, yeah, it? We yeah, did, yeah? We did. We yeah. did.
1: It's 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 they are very nice framing devices though because you know it's like the ABCs is just about language. It's a pretty open topic. Right. You know, it's, I mean, there, and we did one about science and even the science one, we, I mean, we weren't really on thin ice, but it made you aware of like how paranoid the times are because all the questions were were like, oh, facts controversial <laughs> you know it, it, you know it, it was very depressing in a way i didn't I mean,
0: figure your core your core audience was the tea party so
1: yeah but you know i mean it, it was a project we did through disney and it, and it's getting sold in all these in, in like regular like places where our records are not normally sold they're sold in like tar- targets and walmart's and stuff like that so we're in the, we're kind of swimming in that
3: right there were there were there were people from that world who were who were bitterly disappointed that we wrote a song about evolution on a science album, they were like, "I yeah. can't believe I've I've been yeah. a fan for so long." It was outrageous. I'm so let down. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, that's yeah. the other thing is that you you don't, you don't know who likes you, and and you sort of you just put yourself out there, and you and when you do something like that, you you quickly realize how many people uh, just don't want to hear you talk about stuff like that, and it's hard because you know we're just you know we're we're neat jerk liberals from the northeast.
0: And, and the question about, oh, about the self? self-release model?
3: Tell yeah, us what we were you've delighted. we it was great actually. That was, oh yeah. That
1: was, well, that's a yeah. The, it is basically Tell us helped what you've done. Well, we've done a lot of things, uh, self produced things over the year. You, you, over the oh, years, yeah. usually they're usually they're kind of humble, small failures. But the and and you know the the fan club thing was really a way to help just finance the final part of our album because we we had gone much longer recording it and were. Rapidly running out of money, so um,
3: in a way, the scary part of it was not that we that so many people bought into it, but that we have to now fulfill the agreement. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> our end of the agreement. You know, but it's a nice,
0: it's thing. A serious point, isn't it? Because traditionally, record companies did all that stuff. Didn't exactly, they? Yeah.
1: and, and, and yeah. artists take on this stuff, yeah. and it's a huge amount of work, isn't it? I spent an hour yesterday
3: uh, stuffing plastic bags full of t-shirts and stickers. So. I don't yeah. know if you're
0: joking Some or not. I'm not, no, 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 no. I'm not joking I'm no, not, not joking.
3: If, if it's what, right in the van on the way here
0: kind of thing. Look at how tired I am, man. <laughs> no, <right>, no, seriously. <laughs> yeah, I'm serious. I'm absolutely serious. Yeah. So you, stuff like that, when people are yeah. contact yeah, contacting you, they're contacting you, your house kind of thing. Pretty well, much. not
1: quite our house. Okay. Well, through the miracle of the Internet, you get to keep your house very far away from right, your, house. Right, right. your house. But all this stuff is just causing more and more work, isn't it? Yeah, but it's a good, you know, it's. Good. I mean, this is good. I think the fan club thing is interesting because it also gives us a chance to like uh, do. We did an EP that for that's coming out in August. That's uh, just some like super crazy songs, and uh, and uh, got to release the uh, Tesla song that wasn't on the science record and that. So, so it'll, it'll come out.
0: Well, look, that's, I'm sorry. That's all we got time for because we've got another uh, another speaker in here. Uh, all right, at uh, five o'clock. But uh, thanks very much, gentlemen, for coming oh, out of out here. Thank, 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 you. thank you for having hey, us. And
1: Please Thanks plug your new record. Your new record, which is out, uh, it's uh, you can get the you can get the uh, the uh, download at our website um, on the 18th or 19th, and you can buy it here in stores on like August 1st because I guess it got delayed somehow. I'm not sure why.
0: Thanks very much That's for coming on.
2: If you've been affected by any of the issues in this podcast, go to wordmagazine.co.uk or apply at your newsagent every month.
1: Want truly hydrated skin? Mitocea's Body Care Breakthrough, Hyaluronic Body Serum. It's clinically proven to increase hydration by 161%. It's lightweight, fast-absorbing, and delivers 24 hours of hydration for silky smooth skin without any sticky afterfeel.